Life's too short for crap marketing. The Got Marketing Podcast is for marketers, business owners, and entrepreneurs who want marketing that's fun, accessible, and meaningful. Join me, Mia Feilman, for inspired chats with my favorite marketing insiders about marketing that works, campaigns that inspire, and the fads, fakery, and false profits to avoid. Hello, friend. Welcome to Got Marketing. Today, we are discussing marketing your business with LinkedIn. A few years ago, LinkedIn was pretty lame. It was the app that most professionals had but never used. However, LinkedIn has had quite the resurgence and reinvention. I'm on LinkedIn to build my business and I do share personal things from time to time, but I do it in a strategic way. So it's actually all meant to just drive more awareness of my business and my offers and the way that I work. That was Kate Merriweather, a LinkedIn coach that helps you get more eyeballs on your content. Welcome to Got Marketing, Kate. Thank you for having me. So thrilled to be with you. And to talk about what I believe is one of your favorite topics, LinkedIn marketing. You're the nerd. Big nerd. So you've had a diverse career in PR and copywriting. Mm -hmm. How did you come to focus on LinkedIn? Well, I decided in 2020 to be a bit more grown up and intentional in my business. I always felt a bit like it was, you know, just a little freelancing thing and I'd really minimalized myself as a business owner. And I thought, right, time to get serious. My kids are getting bigger and I really want to elevate my income, elevate my profile. And I really was doing nothing to promote myself. And I felt deeply uncomfortable because I had was a PR person that was all about promoting my clients. You never, ever get in the photo. You never, ever make the story about you. That was my entire career for 15 years. So I felt very uncertain about putting myself out there. But I realized that I had to do it if I wanted to take my business up a notch, which I did. So I always saw that as a business strategy and I tried to put my personal views aside, which is not always easy. And because I was a copywriter, Mia, I just thought LinkedIn was appropriate. It's a B2B platform. And I thought it was an opportunity for me to show off my copywriting abilities as well. And so I just started posting on LinkedIn and I did some LinkedIn courses. One course told me I'll never forget to post on LinkedIn four times a day. And I actually did that because I wanted to be that, you know, gold star student. And it was very, very difficult. So I quickly realized that there's a lot of different ways that you can use LinkedIn to make it work for you. And that what I was learning, particularly from American coaches that are very pushy and aggressive, weren't for me and weren't for the Australian market. So I started using LinkedIn in a way that felt natural and organic to me. And it really, it really worked. My business took off. And at the same time, I'd been doing copywriting for about nine years and I'd been starting to get bored. And I had that aha moment where I realized, actually, I think I can help people with LinkedIn because people were asking me. A lot of people were saying, how do you do this? How do you do that? And how come I always see you on LinkedIn? And I can't believe you get leads. How do you get leads from LinkedIn? And what, they come to you? Like, how do you do that? And I started telling my clients for free. Like I was their copywriter and I would spend like an hour on the phone with them telling them how to use their LinkedIn. And I just thought, hang on, I think I should charge for this. Like this is gold material that I'm just giving away. And then I realized time to become a LinkedIn coach and help people. I love that, especially that there was such a clear product market fit that 
you know, you didn't just create something with the hope that people would want it. It was quite validated that, you know, you'd had a lot of people saying to you, this is lacking. You also did this course that gave you some pretty bogus advice and you're like, okay, there's a real opportunity here to do this better. And it took me a long time to realize, like, it was a bit, it was a bit slow. Like, once I realized, I was kind of like, oh, duh, this has been staring me in the face for a long time. So I'm a bit embarrassed that it took me so long to work out. We cannot be objective about our own business. We cannot see the forest from the trees. Mm. It's just the reality, you know, just like you said earlier, you're very good at promoting your clients. But when it comes to promoting ourselves, something happens that we just, we just can't do it. Oh, it's hard at first. And I think it's that brain trying to keep you safe. So you feel fear and your brain is feeling danger. So your brain tries to stop you to keep you safe. Totally. Okay. So in the intro, I said that LinkedIn is having quite the resurgence and reinvention. Do you agree with that? What do you think is driving that? Yes, I do agree, which is very exciting because LinkedIn wasn't great, as you say, a few years ago. What is driving it? I think a few things. The pandemic, everyone jumped on LinkedIn and the way that people use LinkedIn changed during the pandemic. And I was one of those people during the pandemic jumping on LinkedIn. So the other thing that changes, LinkedIn listens to its creators and it gives the creators what they want to a degree. There's still more things that we want, to be honest. So LinkedIn has evolved in itself and it has embraced this change. It was very much a job-seeking platform and its users have been using it for something else, which is you know promoting a business. So a lot of freelancers, consultants, coaches, business owners, SMEs, even bigger businesses are using it as a lead generation, which was not always the case. So that's been just a big fundamental shift in the way that LinkedIn works. And now there's just a lot of more fun people on LinkedIn, which makes it more fun to use. As a user, when you're scrolling, instead of just seeing a guy with his Lamborghini and, you know, flashing the cash and saying how great he is, you could get some really great content, which is just more fun, more enjoyable. Yeah. I think you make a really good point about that, is that I think that there is also a level of mistrust and dissatisfaction with other social media platforms that drove a lot of people to LinkedIn. So frustration with meta platforms, the lack of organic reach, the success signaling that you mentioned there with the Lamborghini, these gurus that I talk about all the time. And post-pandemic, our nerves were worn. We were stretched thin and we just We don't want to be on platforms that make us feel shit about ourselves. And LinkedIn seemed to provide this safe harbor of a bit more of an elevated conversation. Also, I found that as a writer myself, when Instagram particular pivoted to being much more of a video platform, a lot of people who you know, were good at writing or were writers migrated to LinkedIn to be able to continue writing. They were like, right, well, Instagram's not for me. I don't want to be making these TikTok style videos in order to promote myself. Maybe I need to go and fish in greener waters. No, me up. (laughs) Fish in clearer waters. No. So I think that that's definitely it, is that there's a migration from other platforms to LinkedIn. 
And also, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later on in the episode, but that LinkedIn has done a really good job at reimagining who a professional is. Before it was very much a corporate employee and that's who the platform was for. But since the pandemic, it has welcomed freelancers, home-based business, solopreneurs, side hustlers with open arms. And so now LinkedIn is a much more inclusive platform to the point where you could argue LinkedIn is the new Instagram. I think so, yes, which is great because I'm bad at design, so I don't like Instagram, Mia. But um, just to get back to what you're saying, another thing I think that prompted a migration to LinkedIn was Twitter going up in a mess as well, even in the last when six months, I think that was. So a lot of Twitter users have also decided to look elsewhere and join LinkedIn. And LinkedIn at one point had stories, LinkedIn stories. Do you remember that? I remember that, yeah. So LinkedIn was trying to be Instagram. And just recently, LinkedIn has introduced a bit more of a grid option. So you can actually just watch videos or look at photos, which is very Instagram-y. And it'll be interesting to see how that evolves. Because we do have this bit of a thing going with the platforms all copying each other. Like Instagram brought in Reels as a response to TikTok and LinkedIn brought in stories as as a response to Instagram. So it's interesting to see what will happen. Oh, absolutely. They do. They just totally rip each other off. So I'd love to hear from you, the bona fide LinkedIn expert. What are some common myths around LinkedIn that you would like to bust here and now? Yes. So it's boring is something I hear a lot. And it was. So if you haven't jumped on LinkedIn for a while. And the last time that you did, you scrolled and you weren't really engaged with the content that you were seeing. It's likely that you would come to that conclusion and that it's quite corporate and professional. And it's really just for people who are looking for a job. And as I've said, that's not the case anymore. It's much more fun, dynamic. There's great creators on there to learn from, which is really nice. And just a bit of a community as well. Of I've got competitors, I would say, Um, we're all very supportive of each other and shout each other out and refer to each other. So I think that sense of community is a lot stronger with LinkedIn now. Any other misconceptions? I think people just have a fear of LinkedIn because they see it as corporate and professional. So they think that they have to put this professional face forward. And the people that are really driving the change on LinkedIn are the ones who are the breath of fresh air, who build a personal brand. So that's really important on LinkedIn now. One of those myths is LinkedIn is not the place for a personal brand. And that's a mistake I wouldn't want anyone to make. Good one. That's such a good one. So am I right in saying that you believe that it's okay to share personal content on LinkedIn? To a degree, I'd like to do it as part of a strategy because I'm on LinkedIn to build my business and I do share personal things from time to time, but I do it in a strategic way. So it's actually all meant to just drive more awareness of my business and my offers and the way that I work and the transformations that I deliver. And that's what I teach my clients as well. So you certainly can, but in a strategic way, I would say. I feel exactly the same. Like if you can't make the segue to your business in somehow, somehow then best avoided. Like no one wants to know what you ate for breakfast or what your workout was today, unless you can find a way to marry it 
with one of your business objectives because otherwise you're just getting cheap engagement for engagement's sake. Mm. And of course, people are going to congratulate you on your engagement, but is anyone going to book a discovery call off the back of you announcing that you just recently got engaged? Wow. And I actually think it's a, it's a talent, Kate, to be able to find content that is more personal in nature but to make the link back to your business. I think that that's a real skill in business. Yes. I had this LinkedIn post go viral in bunny ears and it was about my husband's mess kit, which is a military uniform that they wear to official functions and it's custom made for the defense member. So it's it's sewn for his body and he left it at Darwin Airport. And I did this whole post about this mess kit, but it was all going back to my business. And yeah, people just absolutely loved that that post. And it was a bit of a experimentation, like where would this go? Because it was the storytelling angle. Yes. One Easter, maybe three years ago, I thought I was doing so well because I put a poll up that was like, what should you do with leftover Easter chocolate? Should it go in the fridge or should it go in the cupboard? And I got like 30,000 views and I thought it was great. And <laughs> No one's, and everyone was commenting about, oh, leftover chocolate, is there such a thing? Ha ha. So it was super easy for people to comment and they all did and it got loads of reach, but it achieved absolutely nothing. Like none of those people stuck around. So I learned the hard way with my Easter egg poll, never again. So there's a bit of a myth on Instagram that if you have a post like that, that gets really good engagement, then your next post will get shown to more people. Is that the case with LinkedIn too? I think so. Yes. Yes. Uh, Look, we don't know the ins and outs of the algorithm and the best thing to do is just keep showing up with great content and not worrying about it too much. But yes, if you post something that goes well like that, then the next post is more likely to be seen. So you can take advantage of that opportunity in in a strategic way. But don't do the Easter egg poll. That was that was bad strategy on my part. Because it wasn't relevant, right? Like, yeah, sure, more people are going to see your next post about LinkedIn coaching, but it might not be relevant to them. Not at all. Not at all. <gasps> oh, so good. What are some things we all need to stop doing on LinkedIn right now? Well, swearing is a big one. Ooh. So LinkedIn is a bit like a conservative year old nun teacher you know you're like and LinkedIn doesn't like swearing and it's a bit of a shame because I'm a bit of a sweary person in real life but there are a few ways you can get around it like if you had a swear in an image or in a video it's not as good at reading the swearing but LinkedIn puts people in LinkedIn jail for all sorts of things, which is so irritating because we're on LinkedIn. We want to have a good experience and we want to be successful. And then you get put in jail. I find that really irksome. But yes, don't swear on LinkedIn. What does LinkedIn jail mean? I've never heard of this. So it will suspend your account for a period of time. And if you continue to swear or do the things that will land you in LinkedIn jail, you can be banned permanently, which would be a big shame in my view. So it's funny how some of the things that LinkedIn lets through to the keepers are way worse than swearing, Um, like some of the really irritating 
DMs you get and spams and fake profiles seem to be fine. But if someone just says, you know, FF, you know, for F's sake or something like that, or calls, you know, calls something out and says it's bullshit, you can be put in jail. It's really irksome. Yeah, I remember reaching out to you when my Make Marketing Great Again video was released because I say success porn in the video. And I was so worried that I was going to, I didn't know about LinkedIn jail, but just that my reach would be downranked. And that's when you let me know that LinkedIn's not particularly good at reading videos. Yes, luckily. And also porn isn't really a swear word, is it? Like, yeah, no, it's not. But on TikTok, that would be a problem. TikTok's even more conservative than LinkedIn. Yes. I noticed TikTokers say unalive instead of dead or killed. Like the, And then you get this alternative language arising to work around these restrictions. There's a whole TikTok lexicon. Like someone needs to release a glossary. Like, you know, I also think you need to speak fluent Gen Z to be able to understand half the TikTok videos. (laughs) Got Marketing is brought to you by Campaign Del Mar, a marketing education platform for marketers and entrepreneurs. Learn practical, repeatable and actionable steps to market with confidence. Nail your email marketing strategy or join Campaign Classroom and learn to create memorable and effective marketing campaigns. These are not the kind of online programs where you are left floundering, unsure how to put theory into practice, nor will these programs sit unfinished for months. You can expect hands-on, tailored advice, accountability, and a supportive community, and you will walk away with lifelong marketing skills. Learn more at campaigndelmar.com. I would love for you to share some of your favorite LinkedIn tactics, some actionable bits of advice that uh, people can implement straight away? I would really encourage you to not lurk on LinkedIn. So you scroll, you read a bit of content and then you go on with your day. Could comment, even liking posts is a great start because then you teach the algorithm what you like. And then the algorithm learns what you like and it serves you up more great creators. So if you put a bit of effort into educating the algorithm, which you can do today, it will start to suggest great people and help you find more people. And then you will enjoy LinkedIn more, which is very important because if you don't enjoy it, it becomes just another chore. And if we're in business and we've got enough chores that's the last thing we need is to go, oh, now I have to go on LinkedIn and do some engagement or post something on LinkedIn because I don't want to, but I have to. Mm. That's not sustainable. So I think when you enjoy LinkedIn, it's much easier to get into it and post content because when you post content, you get comments. Like I'm always very touched by the comments that I get and I appreciate them. And then I go and comment on their, their content and a little community builds. And that a lot of fun. Whereas if you're just scrolling and lurking, you're missing out on the opportunities. Even as a consumer, just to be part of a community, if nothing else, be part of a community. That's a great start. Business is so much better when you find your, especially the people that are like-minded and build you up instead of drag you down. And you know, it's so much better. It's like, we're all in the shit. We might as well like find good people to waddle around in there with. 
Absolutely. And look, if you don't like LinkedIn much, you, your views tend to change when you start to make money out of LinkedIn. Like when you start to get leads and people coming to you wanting to spend money, you won't hate LinkedIn anymore. You'll be okay with it. I promise you. Yeah. Well, let's get into that because that's that's pretty compelling. Do you focus on inbound on LinkedIn? Do you do a bit of outbound? We used to be very anti-outbound because you see it and it's not just on LinkedIn. You see these DMs that are like you connect with someone and then they're like, hey, do you, you know, I see that you're a coach and you, you know, do you want my free 150 page book or do you want to join my group or do you want to endorse me? And I'm like, no, I don't want to do any of those things. Or here's a blog. Uh, let's get to know each other. What do you do? I'm like, it's all there on my profile, buddy. So I was very anti DMs. I feel there is a way to use DMs strategically because I know from the algorithm that if you are DMing someone on LinkedIn, then you're more likely to see their written post. So you can use that again to your benefit. So I encourage people to DM me and I will DM people if they say something like, oh, I really need help with this. I don't know what I'm doing. Then I might DM them and I don't pitch. I never DM them a pitch, but I might just start a conversation with them. Sometimes I use them as market research and I might say, could you tell me a bit about why you're struggling? I'd really love to know because I want to help people with this. And I've just got some fantastic just insights from people. So that is lovely. And then I do know that my posts are also being seen by them and I'm seeing theirs. So I can use that to my advantage and talk to some of their pain points potentially in my content. So the spammy DMs are a pain don't bother. A lot of people feel really icky about it. And I think any tactic that makes you feel icky is that's your instincts telling you that it's not right. Trust that feeling. You can pay attention to that. However, there's also some tactics that make you feel icky that you should be doing and push yourself out of your comfort zone too. So it's knowing the difference between which one is it? Is it one that just feels instinctively uncomfortable and pushy or salesy, or is it something that I just don't want to do because I'm afraid? Do you have an example of one of those that is necessary but uncomfortable? Yeah, video. Yeah. Can we talk about video on LinkedIn? Because, and this is just purely anecdotal from my experience. However, I have been posting almost every day on LinkedIn for the last 12 months is that my videos never perform as well as my static posts. Yes, I I have the exact same experience. However, videos aren't there for everybody. Videos are asked more of people. You have to stick around for 60 seconds, whereas you can read a written post in 10, potentially. So I find it funny. And I think a lot of people have that experience and then they stop video. And on paper, it's logical. Well, it's not getting the reach. Why should I do it? But it serves a purpose and it's not there for your entire audience. It is there for the people who are thinking of working with you. And I get people coming to me and saying, I watch your videos and they are the ones that end up buying from me. And the ones who aren't interested in my services or my various opinions on LinkedIn that I put on video, they don't need to watch them. And I get people saying to me, oh, I saw a video. Oh, I'm so sorry. Don't watch them. So they're not there for you. They're not there for you. So if I get five views, that's fine because every single person that comes in the door, so to speak, watches them. So They're actually not about getting loads of reach. That's so good. That's such a good point that like, okay, there are objectives beyond reach and engagement. What about consideration? What about Mm. 
picking up the damn phone and booking a call with you. That's such a good point. And people feel like they get to know me. Video just is unbeatable in that way. People know me. They know what I look like. They know that I wave my hands as I am now. And that just sense of you want people to feel like you're their friend, especially in the industry that I'm in. I'm working closely with people, teaching them how to be showing up, be visible, messaging, strategy, all that stuff. So they need to feel they can trust me. And video serves that purpose. The other thing about video, there was a big algorithm report that came out maybe six months ago and it said, you know, video reaches down. And then I noticed videos dropping less. And I did think, well, should I stop doing video? And then I, for the reasons I explained, decided not to. So there's even less video on LinkedIn. So it's even more disruptive. Like, if you scroll in LinkedIn at the moment, there's this guy that's selling templates and everyone's buying them. So every second post is 98% of people think this, 98% of people don't know. And every second post is about this. I think like this guy's doing really well with his templates and the problem is we're all using them. So if people are scrolling and there's a million of those template posts and then there's a video from someone, that is disruptive. So the less that people do video, the more happy I am because I do video and I encourage my clients to do video. Let's We can be the only ones showing up on video and get all the attention. No worries. I love that. That's so clever. Now, tell me, how do you make videos for LinkedIn? Is it okay to share your Instagram videos or your TikTok videos to LinkedIn or yeah. do you need to be? Yeah. Yeah, I I make my videos for LinkedIn, but uh, lots of people share their TikTok videos and Instagram videos on LinkedIn. I don't see a problem with that. I think it's more about the quality of the video and the brevity. And for that reason, I don't recommend going live on LinkedIn often because people talk too much when they go live. Absolutely. So if you just film a 60-second video saying uh, someone asked me about XYZ and I'm telling them blah, 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 the end that's much more digestible. I scroll and I see someone I really love, but I don't have 60 minutes to watch their live. God, no. No. When we think about like Instagram, they're very particular about format, size, you know, every video on Instagram now needs to be that, you know, portrait shape. And is LinkedIn a little bit more aspect ratio agnostic? You know, I've noticed, yeah, I've noticed that you can share videos that are portrait or landscape. I've noticed that you can share images that are portrait or landscape. Yes. So that's nice. Some people share portrait videos with the idea that you're taking up more of the screen. But I don't care. (laughs) My phone in my um, tripod doesn't fit portraits. I film landscape and I've been doing that for three years. So I think if you're trying to game the algorithm just to get a bit more of the screen like focus on what the message is and don't worry I don't what like to if that's your only strategy I am mortally afraid yeah like people aren't going to watch more of your videos just because it takes up more of the screen they're just going to spend one millisecond longer scrolling up to get away from it it's just the tactics are easier than strategy that's why that's just like oh that's so easy to do I can absolutely just film this mm. portrait instead of landscape and that takes less brain power than actually thinking about why would anyone want to listen to this video in the first place mm. so yeah I've also noticed and I would love your thoughts on this that 
and what this is one of the reasons I absolutely love LinkedIn is that it's a lot less effort than other platforms because these over curated images with filters and with text over images and heavily designed images don't work at all on LinkedIn. In fact, most of my content that does really well has no image whatsoever. Yeah, how great is that? Super great. If you don't have A, your own design skills or B, budget to hire an awesome graphic designer, then you're stuck with Canva templates, which can be difficult and also just takes longer. So written word on LinkedIn is still really effective. And quite often those images detract from the very important see more button. You only get a little bit of the caption then your audience has to click see more. And if a lot of people are clicking see more, then LinkedIn, I kind of imagine LinkedIn is like this person in a dark room. It's like, oh, this, everyone's clicking on this. This is good. Let's put this out more. Whereas if the image is taking away or the image has the entire message in it, which is often the case with Instagram posts, then people can consume that and keep scrolling without ever clicking see more, which reduces the reach. So. If you can have a, and for the same reason, a strong hook is very important with LinkedIn. And sometimes the hooks can be a bit cheesy, like, you know, number one mistake or, you know, that 99% example I mentioned, but they do work. So you almost need like a headline as the, the opening hook and then move into your story or post, etc. cetera. Um, it's very important to get that click and that will extend your reach. That's what we all want. Totally. I also find that it's there's a style of imagery that works really well on LinkedIn, which is literally anything from your camera roll that hasn't been edited, yeah, filter added, uploaded to Canva with a transparent background in your brand colors. Like the more mm. just literally just what you are doing in at work today, mm. those kind of images you know, um, iPhone happy snaps, they outperform anything else on LinkedIn. Yes, absolutely. And particularly screenshots work really well with social proof. So instead of getting the text and putting into a pretty Canva graphic and saying, you know, Julie says I'm awesome, five stars, just screenshot the email from Julie and put that up because it's more trustworthy and it's raw. And it's also easy to do. So you don't have to waste time in Canva doing pretty images. You can just screenshot it, take out the Julie's private email address and et cetera. But they work well. That social proof on LinkedIn works really well. I have not actually done that, which I'm embarrassed to say. So everyone log on to LinkedIn this afternoon and <laughs> that is incoming. Okay, I just want to end talking about marketing campaigns because it's my favorite thing. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about LinkedIn's own marketing campaign, which they released actually a couple of years ago now. It is absolutely fantastic. The campaign is called Find Your Space. And it's really the goal of this campaign. It's a video driven campaign that is all about highlighting the different conversations that are happening within LinkedIn. And what they've done is they've, it's very clever, this video, I, I will I will tag it in the show notes, is that they've used a, a visual analogy of imagine if LinkedIn was a dinner, like a, a dinner party, 
And you just needed to find the right people to sit next to at dinner to have a really good experience. And such a great analogy for LinkedIn. And and it goes back to exactly what you were saying earlier, is that once you find your community on LinkedIn, it just makes for such a great experience. But until that happens, you can feel like you're sitting next to like Uncle Barry hearing about his incontinence at dinner. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I really fit here. So I think that this is absolutely brilliant. Have you seen this? Do you have any thoughts, Kate? I only saw it because you shared it with me, which is interesting as someone who's a LinkedIn expert. (laughs) And you know, the first thing I thought was, it reminds me of the Coles ad at Christmas. So I wonder if Mm, it does, doesn't it? Yes. (laughs) I don't want to make any accusations, so I'll just leave it there. What I really liked in it is that the main character finds herself on a table with corporates and then she ducks away from them. And that reflects my experience on LinkedIn. And I liked how it showed her dipping into several different conversations and tables that she went and joined. And that to me shows the diversity that is on LinkedIn, which is very welcome. Mm -hmm. Lots of different voices, not just pale male and stale voices, people of color. There's an amazing girl from Nigeria who's doing a lot of campaigning in the SEO space, for example, for people of color to speak at more SEO events. And she's created this big movement. And that to me is really exciting. And there's all sorts of things like that happening on LinkedIn. So the other thing I really liked about it, Mia, was that it talked about helping others. And the way that it finishes is the character is then helping someone else. I really love the idea of helping people one of the things that gives me most joy on LinkedIn is when people message me saying, I'm following your advice and I'm getting results. And even though they haven't paid me a cent, I really appreciate that and I enjoy that. And I like the idea that people can follow my advice for free and get great results. And the people who then choose to pay me are you know, going to have that experience as well. And so I just think it's lovely. Yeah, it's, it's just very sweet, isn't it? That is so generous of you. Uh, I can't help myself when people say that to me, like, oh, Mia, I've been consuming all your content. It's been super helpful. I've downloaded all your lead magnets. It's been absolutely great. Thank you so much. I'm like, I can't help myself. I have to respond going. Where's my money? Imagine the paid stuff. That's all I say. Imagine the paid stuff. (laughs) Do you? I used to be like that. The first time someone messaged me saying, oh, my God, I've done all this. Thank you so much. I was like, how dare you? And then I thought, well, what's the alternative? The alternative is me sharing like B material and saving it for my paying clients. Like that doesn't work. And realistically, most people don't. They like your advice, but they just like, yes, I still want to work. So I find that only 5% of people maybe then follow the advice for free. And also from a marketing perspective, it doesn't matter actually if they don't necessarily buy from you, if they serve another invaluable role within your business, which is that they become a brand evangelist. So I have a wonderful friend on LinkedIn, Carla, shout out to her, who hasn't purchased anything from me, but has referred me to about 10 clients. Mm. Well, go Carla. Here's all the free stuff and all the paid stuff, Carla. Like, you know, you can have it all if you're going to be literally my number one brand ambassador. You know, Kim Kardashian costs a lot to be a brand ambassador. So you got Carla for free. Totally. So she's doing, yeah, she's thinking of it that way. The other thing is they 
they amplify your voice. They have their own reach. So when they comment on your post, that gives them reach. If they if they are the ones clicking see more all the time, they're giving you reach. So they are they are part of the strategy, not something to be fought against. It does feel illogical in a way. You're like, damn, what she owes me a thousand bucks because it's been so great, you know. You do have that percentage of your brain that's saying, no, how can they? But once you reconcile that and realize they are actually a part of your strategy and you can screenshot their comments about how great you are and use it as social proof, that's always super useful. Totally. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure, Kate. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation on LinkedIn. Do you have any final thoughts? I think being brave a lot of people have a, a fear of LinkedIn and I'll say, are you on Instagram? Are you doing reels? Oh yeah. But then when it comes to LinkedIn, there's just another little block. And I think the block is around that professional corporate image. And I just want people to dabble, have fun. You can't really go wrong unless you're going to go in and say something, you know, Andrew Tate's awesome or something like that. You know, like wish you're not, like you're, you're safe on LinkedIn. So just have a play. Oh my gosh, yes, so good. Well, you heard it here. Go and connect with Kate Merriweather on LinkedIn. And thank you so much for generously giving up your time today, Kate. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You listened right up until the end. So why not hit that subscribe button and keep the good marketing rolling? Podcast reviews are like warm hugs and they're also the best way to support a small business. You can connect with me, Mia Feilman, on Instagram or LinkedIn. And feel free to send me a message. I'm super friendly. 